everything's and they had it all super organized and he said um there'll be no queues we've got it organized so that this will happen here and blah 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 and um and the the election did go off the best election ever no queues no one standing outside it was super super well done but the night before when he was on tv saying thank you very much we'll see you at the polls tomorrow morning uh good night well thank you very much chris we hope that blah 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 oh, let's shake hands he gets into his car he's driving home no dead, dead. wow and 20 minutes later his eyeballs and his thumb attempted to gain access to the servers wow yes That's and he was found in the forest where everyone is dumped he was found in the forest um eyeless thumbless I wanted to still talk to you about um so working obviously there you made other movies or you worked on other movies daredevil yeah what are your fondest memories i guess of working in feature films fondest memory of feature films i guess um well actually i really like the adaptation because it was it came in got that job done and it was it was such the most impressive film so to be known for working on that it, it was still one of my favorite films ever and i remember going to the q a afterwards and um and I remember asking the question, because um, uh, the movie goes on so many odd tangents. It's like, where do you get that? Where do you allow yourself to go there? The fact that the guy couldn't write a movie about the thing he was supposed to make. Yeah. So he made a movie about failing to make it. You know, I fact, they love the fact that in, in the movie, his, his brother is in the credits. You know, yeah, the whole he's not thing. even a real person. You're right. He's not even a real person. Yeah. And I love the way at the beginning when he says, I hate that this would change into a stakeout movie or a drugs rice heist movie or, you know, da 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 da. And then when he got killed, the brother took over and did exactly that. <laughs> I thought it was just brilliant. Yeah. And so, yeah, to be associated with that was really good. There's been other things of, of so feature films. Oh, actually, We Were Soldiers was really good to be working on. Yeah. Um, I worked on We Were Soldiers and we were, we were trying to get everything. I remember the director, um, uh, Randall Wallace. Um, was it Randall Wallace? Oh, geez. I'll look it I'm up. I can't get my names right today, no but it's a bit difficult. Um, you know, he was like, it's about getting it right. It's about telling the story. And it's about getting all of this right. And he said, you know, I remember him saying very early on, Randall Wallace. this is about, if you don't do this right, you're not paying, you're not doing the right thing, honoring these guys that have died. You know, it's got about doing it right. Now that echoed back to when we did the E3, E3 trailer for um, for uh, Rising Sun for for um, Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. Um, we we had a historian involved. We had to get all the ships built exactly right. There was so many things that we were watching, like Pearl Harbor, and of it's course. like those are all 1975. This is all wrong. All these ships are wrong. All these guns are wrong. The way the hatches open is wrong. The way that they actually had the animation, uh, that had the the timings. Of, hatches don't open forward; they always open backwards. There's there's tons of different things. And I remember, um, um, I just we just we worked really hard on getting the black smoke right for Pearl Harbor and doing all those things right, even though it was represented in milliseconds. 
it was just a shot here shot we tried to get all of that and we spent a lot of time getting that timing right for 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 the attack on pearl harbor and then even the way the bunk beds were all of those things and then um after i finished it i went to hawaii and my wife was like hey let's go to the pearl harbor thing i was like oh yeah oh wow going to the pearl harbor thing like where it actually happened and then i went there and i was standing and i was like holy shit this is the actual place that we modeled this bit that I'm standing on. And these guns are actually in the right place. We did our job right. And I was like, oh, we didn't get We're that in the right. matrix. That's a that's a moment where you realize that we are in the matrix. And this is yeah, but then, but then you did it. Weird, you created we, it. We, we, did, we did this tour and we talked to this guy. And then this guy was this old guy and he was like, and then blah, 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 blah. And then it slowly dawned on me. It was like, oh, wait, he's talking when this happened. And he we were there. down here. I'm like, he was there. So I went up to him afterwards and said, hey, um, we had to do a, a historical recreation and we, we did our best. Um, we didn't get everything right. But, um, you know, I kind of want to say uh, I, bleh, I didn't know what to oh, say. Yeah, right. you know, it was like you were there. So we were we, we encapsulated this and we we re- I said we recreated it in a computer. He didn't really understand. But I said we made a film to show that, you know, and our, our biggest goal was to get everything historically right. And but meeting it and talking to him, I was like, oh, my God, I'm such a fraud. I'm just pushing pixels around. This guy actually right. was there, you know. Oh, and he said, "Yeah, I remember the explosion went off. We, you know, I got blown in the water. And that's oh where I broke God. my leg. Jesus. And blah blah blah. Yeah, and, and see these fingers. Yeah, yeah. I lost that because of the oil burning. I was trying to pull this off <laughs> oh. my buddy. I was like, I'm just you know, the guy in a like, computer room, just pressing exactly. <laughs> so, so yeah. In terms of you know that 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 video game intro is long gone. It's a long time ago. But in terms of how it made me feel about the work that I was doing, it's like, huh." You know, and that really led to, to you know, later on in life when, you know, my wife and I decided to do different things. Let's instead of, you know, my my wife was kind of like. Um, she was working in production as producer. I was directing um, kind of visual effects based commercials and I was creative director at, uh, at Riot, which is now Method. And um, and everything was fine. Working hard, making a, a good a good dose of money. And then my wife went, is this it then? Is this, is this what we're going to do? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, look, it's great. <laughs> yeah. And she was like, no, we've got to be doing something. There's got to be something else. This can't be it. And so she really looked into doing something else. And in the end, um, although trying lots of different things locally, community stuff, trying different things, the way to give back to the community, we found there was a need for making documentary films for some of the um, charities in, 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 in Africa. Yeah, and a lot of them had that sad, you know, the flies and the yes. just horrible. Nobody wants to give money to that. It just sends the wrong message. All it does is show failure. So we'd want to show promise and hope. So what we did was we didn't go to the the red crosses of the world or the big charities. We found the small ones that were doing a good job that actually had an end goal. Like we want to do this, and then we're going to go. Not just stay there for you know. We want to actually make a difference and then move on. And so we made documentary films for them. And then at that point, then we realized the massive impact that it made for those communities and for those organizations, just massive. And we're like, oh my God. And they, you know, one of them were saying, we now don't need to do funding for another two years. You made a one film, we've now got a funding. We, we can finish this, building this hospital. What? Is there a lot of like nonsense with charities and donations and stuff? Because that's a really yeah. hard thing, right? Because a lot of charities have their own corporate structures and you have people that are Well, you have to be a 501c3. You have to be a, a charity organization to receive money in that way. And then even when we, we made that film company uh, a charity, so it was nonprofit, we weren't making money off it. We were covering our, our stuff. 
But then that that actual that need for we do like 70%, 70 percent seventy let's get this graphic seventy percent that was our normal work and then thirty percent was our we'd go across and do some projects we did a bunch of projects in the states but it wasn't the same as going over there in terms of the change and indeed it was my wife was like um, we did a whole bunch of projects we're coming back and forward and doing that but then it was like forty percent of our time then fifty percent of our time and then she said wouldn't it be great just to get a project there and I was like sure all right. And so a project landed with uh, Southwest Airlines wanted us to do this big, huge, sprawling project. And it was basically taking discarded um, seats, the leather from seats from the, you know, Southwest Airlines, all the seats are kind of the same. Yeah. No first class, second class, just all seats. They used to have these thick, thick leather seats. They realized they were really, really heavy because they had to withstand like somebody standing on them with a stiletto to put their bag away. You're right. So they they have to be tough. So they were tough. They were super, super strong. And then when they realized they could reduce their carbon footprint by getting, you know, less, less weight and all that kind of stuff, let's do these lighter seats. They had all these seats and they couldn't get rid of them in the States because they were like, it's leather. And they're like, has people's bums been on this? Oh, like, no, it's, right. it's them they couldn't get rid of them for legal reasons. And so they literally had, they have a fleet of about 700, 800 airplanes. Each of them has a, about 148, 150 odd seats, depending on the configuration. Wow. That's a lot. That's it's a lot of acres tons. of leather. Yeah, yeah. acres, and it turned out to be fifteen forty-foot shipping containers filled to the brim of leather. Of leather. That's insane. That they couldn't get rid of, and they were going to put it in a landfill. And then it turns out that one of the guys work that works in uh, that works at the high up in 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 Southwest went, I we could totally give this away to uh, like Kenya, I, and he grew up in Kenya. He actually went to the international school in Kenya in Nairobi, and. Um, so he was, he was a white guy, but he, he'd grown up there. And so he had an affinity for the place. And he said, let's find a company that can do this. And so we got, we got, we got contacted by um, Creative Visions, um, which is a company here that basically find needs of, of companies that want to do good things and then find the right production companies to do it. They also do lots of other things. So they found us. We were friends with them already. And so we, we went out to this project. It was supposed to be like two or three months of filming, which was a lot, and then maybe a bit more. And then a bit more. And then I came back and then we went back a bit more. And then we did more and did more. And then it was like we were there like nine months. And then my son was at school. And then two years had passed. And we're like, we're still there. At this point, then we decided to do something different. And we built, a, we realized there was a lot of young people that didn't have a voice. So we built a, what was going to be a radio station to allow young people to speak. And then we realized we could build a TV station. We got help from companies, Sony and Canon and New Tech and a bunch of other people donated stuff. And then in the end, we ran the biggest, most prolific digital studio in East Africa, run wow. by young Africans that we've trained over the last 10 years. Beautiful. And we've been there 10 years. That's it's insane. just absolutely crazy. So yeah, in terms of like, you know, making a different path, that was that was it was great to do that. And and uh, and then you know, coming back to the States was quite interesting as well because uh, we got to a stage that the studio was kind of running itself. And um, and uh, it didn't didn't really necessarily need me on a daily level, so I was kind of like, okay, what's next? And as soon as I said that, a friend of mine who's a very well known production designer and kind of futurist called uh, Jeff Julian, um, called me up and said, uh, I have a super secret project. I need you in LA like next week. I'm like, let me come across and say hello. Right. So I came across, and then we you know we jumped in on this project. And I can say now it's it's kind of it's for it was for the uh, the Saudi uh, megacities project, and um, so we were designing a whole bunch of stuff and 
airports and massive areas of land and we were creating and designing and doing all that kind of stuff. And it was massively fun. But then, um, and uh, I was kind of going back and forward and my wife was going back and forward. And we, we have a place in the, in the marina down here. And, um, and, uh, um, and then COVID hit. And then we, we were kind of like, I guess we're here for a bit. And then, then it was kind of like, are we, are we back? I, I, I don't know if we're back or not. You know, because it was weird working on a project that couldn't even talk about or tell anyone what I was working on. Uh, so it was quite quite interesting time uh, going to Africa and then doing that. I I mean I was I wanted to ask you about Hollywood, but now I'm way worse than Kenya. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really care about Hollywood anymore. Who cares about Hollywood? Everyone's been to Hollywood. It's a played out story. How was living in Kenya? <laughs> so so doing that, what what happened was we doing one of our non non profit stuff. We were trying to get one of the stories that came to us was people are always going to these third world countries. And, and giving books, giving big old heavy books and, and big old computers that are that are rubbish, um, and what they weren't, we what we weren't seeing is 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 allowing them to have art, or you know music, and these people that are there are just filled with art and music. But we noticed that, and this company, this uh, this this charity noticed that they're they're not they're not really putting money or time into allowing creative arts. So we did this cool project and it was kind of a two-sided thing. We thought we'd take young hip hop and rappers and DJs and dancers from here and then take them there to, to have basically what was going to be a music festival. And, and we're doing it to raise awareness of the fact that there's, there's, there's a need for art and to actually put money into art and not just money into giving them shoes and things like that. They need art to be you know, so they're creative and to show that to the world that there are a lot of young creative people there and, um, and to show that there's actually a need for art. At the same time, it was a massive like culture shock for these young people from, you know, the States of going course. over there and learning. I can't imagine. Yeah. So that's the film was a real about that. So how do we contact these young people? We said, let's, we found some, a dance crew, a young dance crew that were totally like cool. And we talked to them about how we could be in, involved with them in a project. They were totally all in. So when we did that project, that was a way back. When we went back for the Southwest project, we said, oh, we need crew. Oh, um, hey, let's just call up the guys, the same guys. We're going to get professional film crew. We thought, no, let's let's nurture these guys. So we called them all back in and they're, to they're totally like dancers. They're a dance crew that go around to perform. And they're now running the studio. They're now our, 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 they manage the studio and manage the gear and do all that. And they've been with us all that time. They totally came on board. And then... Because we were there doing this um, this nonprofit, this um, Southwest thing, we started. People started noticing that we were there, and we were getting the. We were the Hollywood people. The ho yeah, Hollywood like, people. hey, do you want to do some commercials? And I'm like, no, I don't. I'm I, I don't. I wanted to concentrate on doing this documentary. Yeah. But then, well, then we got there was some cool ideas to do, and we got the opportunity to do a massive new range of spots that went on to win a whole bunch of awards. And um, and really put a mark on on the way that we were doing commercials there, and uh, which was really good fun, and um, and um, but before we knew it, we were doing commercials, and then we needed a place to be, so we needed a studio, so we rented a studio, and then that's when my wife was involved in the uh, the the, uh, the the there was a campaign to see what the youth wanted for for the next election, so she said, well, let's have a town hall meeting, let's get the young involved, let's, and they said, what's a town hall meeting? She went. You know, get all the kids to get, get people together, talk about what they want to go, take away some points. 
And they're like, oh, we've, we've never done that. So we did that. And it was so massively popular. It was unbelievable. And we realized from that, it's like, this, this wee girl's amazing. She needs a voice. This guy's, these guys. So it's like, we've decided these people need a voice. So instead of, we did the, we did the, the campaign for the, for the, um, for the election, but we realized let's do something about this. Let's, you know, take these young people and do something. So at first it was going to be radio, but then, you know, we were, we were looking to how we could do radio and all that kind of stuff and build a little podcasting thing. And then, you know, I've got some friends at new tech and they were like, um, Oh, you need to do this with video. I'm like, well, you need to send me a TriCast. <laughs> right. What's your address? <laughs> it's kind of like that. And um, and so so then we started doing live streaming, live shows, direct a mobile audience before Facebook Live, before YouTube Live, using the live stream platform, which is now a generic term. Right. Right. And it was we, we were embedded. Wasn't it? Wasn't Ustream like the first one or something? There was Ustream, and then there was live stream. Live stream. Was okay. They had, they had servers there. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So anyway, so so live stream, and we were doing 3D, you know, like render, like 3D multiple camera, like virtual sets, with audiences, with microphones like this, with mixing desk and DJ table, and a whole set, multiple cameras, and we were doing that in 2013, live to a mobile audience from Kenya, with 3D virtual sets, live. That's insane. You say live more. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But then from that, people are like, hey, we want to write a fashion thing. We want to write a news thing. We're like, okay, you sit over there. We need a website. All right, we're going to build a site. What's it called? What's Good Life? All right, we're calling it What's Good Life. And then it turned into this huge, big platform called What's Good Networks. And then we started making shows. And then we, we got into esports. We got into everything. It was just turned into this huge thing. It was just absolute. And at one point, We've scaled down now a little bit because it was post-election. Things got a little bit squirrely there. But at one point, we had 37 staff. And, wow. um, you know, we were on an acre of land with guard dogs. Um, they were Dachshunds, but they were guard dogs. Um, but, um, and, and, and guards, electric fences, and, uh, you know, a recording studio, separate control room, and a full, full, absolutely, like, it sounds great. It looks great. Proper custom recording studio, full green screen, 360. Um, and we had generators, the whole thing, and we were outputting stuff all the time. That's and insane. now some of these shows that we're doing, they're now wanting them back. So we've now got a show that's actually on Revolt TV here now. It's the first show that's ever been made in Kenya or, or in East Africa that's specifically made for a U.S. audience here. That's a weekly like magazine-style arts and entertainment show. And so we didn't realize it was the first one. And now we've reached out to Ghana. So we've got a team in Ghana now. Wow. And then so we've now got two shows that are, that are going on, and it's... It's, at, it's showing the stuff that's out there. That's why it's called What's Good. It was, it was our DJ who, was, who used to live with us. It's a long story. He was a boyfriend of our daughter's called Jawa. And he's a great DJ. Yeah. And he would always come out with his cup of coffee in the morning and lean against the wall and go, <laughs> what's good? <sighs> like this as, a, as an announcement. Right. And so we took that into What's Good Studios, What's Good Networks. And so we've got, we've got all the monikers. We've got What's Good.fm. We've got What's Good.radio. We've got what's good.africa um we've got wg.africa we've got every single combination of what's good and wg that you can that you can get on the url level so did yeah. you speak the language there was you know i, I don't know much uh, about Kiswahili. that area. no my son did um and my son's pretty good because he was this little white kid you know yeah. actually he's not white he's half Samoan, so he's uh he's he, Looks like Mowgli from Jungle Book. Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's or Tarzan. He looks more like Tarzan. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Yeah. Unfair genetics from his mother. <laughs> right. Um. Just, just incredible. You know. Anyhow, um, he he did stick out there, but everyone was all surprised when he was in an area 
and then he would talk back to the guard that had been saying somebody would say something nasty and he would bam back at them. Right. And they were like, oh crap, he speaks our language. So you know, you picked up you picked up some things, but not you know. I I, I was rubbish at picking up the language. I could literally after almost you know over a decade of being in the area, I picked up barely nothing. I can't imagine it's my wife. My wife's mom comes in, yeah, and she's there for a week or so, and she she leaves fully conversant because she's wow. good at languages. Wow. Yeah. I heard the food is good there. I'm, I don't know much oh, about Kenya. Food is great. Yeah, I, I, food is absolutely I'm wonderful. We, we like Ethiopian food better. Ethiopian food. Literally, it's like it's like you're, it's like chocolate or something. It, prov- it provokes an emotional response. It's so good. Is it because you're also from Scotland, the land of haggish or whatever the hell the haggis, yeah. haggis, uh, that's so why. Yeah, haggis. So here's the funny thing: there's a lot of Scottish people in Kenya. Oh, really? Yeah, I, it's I, crazy. I wouldn't have ever guessed that. Why? Why is it? Uh, so- this, it's ridiculous. Um, the amount of it's like going to it's like going to Toronto. And you find a lot of, you know, you find yeah, a lot yeah, of, yeah, of course. there. Yeah. It's like that. It's like, oh, you're Scottish. And so there's a, there's a lot of the white people that I find, if they're not American, there's a lot of Scottish people there. It's quite bizarre. The first guy I met in Kenya was Scottish. <laughs> it was weird. You got off the airplane. You're like, am I in the right place? I didn't. No, honestly, <laughs> I went to the studio. I went to the studio that we we're going to be filming out of that we ended up wasn't good enough. Um, and so we were visiting and I saw this guy and somebody told him that I was coming. And he went, Hi you like this. I was like, I literally had my bags. I was like, what? And he's like, you get over here. I'm like, I've got my, oh, hang on. I'll be back in a minute. I put my bags down. I didn't even get to the office. And he said, Hey, you come and work with me. I'm like, no, hang on. What? I had no idea what was going on. And uh, anyway, he, he'd looked me up and stuff and, and he wanted me to work on his Coke studios thing, which, you know, we became friends and I helped him out on a consulting level. But um, I said, no, I've got my own things to do. And, you know, he's quite a character. Right. Um, I can imagine and, uh, someone that moved to Kenya, the Scot- yeah, Scottish. Yeah, so, well, that's where I was going to yeah. get to. All the Scottish people that are there, oh, they are characters all right. And there's people that have been there longer than, than me. And woof. I feel you know, like they're, there's they're, a, a, you know, a Kaufman uh, type story there that, you know, he should come and You visit. know what? You're <laughs> absolutely right. There probably is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did, you also did a movie there or for a show for Netflix? Was that specifically based out of Kenya? Oh yeah. So that was through, um, that was through, it was really weird. That was through, uh, uh ginger ink, um, films, um, th- through, um, ginger, the lady that runs it and guy, her husband, um, they were already pegged to do production. I'd worked as, um, a creative director at, at riot, uh, which is now method. And then well, I still had my, my three one zero LA number there in Kenya. I did it through uh, Vonage. So my phone would ring if it was from the States, right? Comes up with a little caller ID and everything. It was great. So um, <laughs> um, so I get this call and he says, hey, hi. And it turned out it was basically kind of my replacement, not replacement. It was years and years later, but I think he took, he had my office, my old office, and his name was Dan Glass. Is it Dan Glass? Anyway, um, and he called me and said, I hear you film in, in, in Africa and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah. And he goes, so would you, I know it's short notice, but would you be able to go there to, for Netflix? I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm here. Step outside my house. Yeah. 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 And yeah. he's like, what? And he goes, I, I said, no, you're calling him my Vonage number. It's my 310 number. And he goes, wait, you're, you're in Nairobi now. And he goes, he goes, what's the odds of I'm calling you to need you to go to Nairobi and you're already in Nairobi. <laughs> right. He goes, he says, I'm done. I, I, I'm you're the hire for this. All right. And so he said, you need to find the you need to talk to a local production company. 
and then um and then so that's where the whole thing went from there and it was it was really good and actually that was on that was later on in my time in in Kenya and it started the ball rolling well, look at him yeah. to um to to like huh i'm kind of missing production on a proper level and i've really tried to bring do proper production there and there's a lot of proper production that goes on there um but in the same way that that you get you get non-union and smaller shoots happening here there's some big shoots happening there but there's still a lot the technology is allowing the smaller shoots to happen without the knowledge of the bigger shoots i got you so yeah. we're, we're leapfrogging over and everyone's like you see people using a drone for everything yeah it, no they will hold it and run around wow it's not the right tool for the job but it's technology that will deliver it now you know of course dj have just launched the exact thing but it's People would run around. I remember seeing this guy at a wedding and he had a drone. It was on, but he had the propellers off and he had like a red bow on it to make it look nice. Yeah. Wedding. And he's like this, like getting the smooth shots like this. And I was like, that's a crazy. phantom yeah. four he's got, yeah. right? And it was the weirdest thing with the you know ribbons on it. But but it is allowing that, that people are leapfrogging over. So I remember going to the shoot and this was the biggest budget shoot for a TV show in Kenya. Sense 8 is the show for people. No, no, this is different. This oh, is someone else. this is a else. different show. Okay, sorry. Show. And it's doing very, very well. But it's actually, it's a, it's a Bollywood um, script that was being remade for Kenya. So it's kind of like very Holly, very Bollywood, you know, um, kind of style in terms of the script and everything. There's no dancing, but you get the idea. And um, they, had a, they had all brand new Blackmagic cameras. They had a whole Steadicam thing. They had the whole thing like this, the whole thing. And I was watching the Steadicam footage. I was like, oh, they asked me to come in and help them with the lighting because there's a lot of old timer lighters there. And there's some new guys that are doing some great stuff in Kenya. There's some new young talent. that's amazing. There's some guys that will literally come up with a light and put it on a sandbag and put it in your face. And you see a big old shot. They're like, that's the way we like things but with a Kenyan accent. Right. And I was like, no, 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 no. We're going to do this different. So I got known for doing that good kind of lighting and also lighting for African skin. I would do that all the time. I had to do it hundreds and hundreds of times. And I learned a lot about figuring out what you do. And a lot of it's what's behind the camera and you. not in front. It's not about how you light, it's about what you do behind. Anyhow, they asked me to come in and help them fix their shadow problem and their this problem and that technical stuff. So I said, okay. And I came on set and I was looking at the Steadicam footage and I was like, it was like, jugga, 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 jugga. and I said, what's that? And he goes, that's the Steadicam. I'm like, <laughs> It's not very steady, is it? And they went, it's Steadicam. I'm like, no, that's not what Steadicam is supposed to look like. Right. It's just because it's on a Steadicam. It's like hot water that's gone cold. Right. You can't still call it hot water. Right. It's like, ah, it's the hot water. It's, it's like, like oh, HD footage without the autos. It was like, you didn't, you didn't focus. Like, it's not HD yeah, it's until you focus. HD. You got to yeah, focus. Exactly. So anyway, I go across and this girl um, had this Steadicam thing. And was, she was holding it like this, like a bear grip, like try to wrestle it. Because she said, it keeps on moving around. I said, you have to let it go. I said, give it to me. Right. And so I've done a bunch of Steadicam stuff. And so I showed them and they were like, like, oh, that's what it's for. So they had all the technology, but they didn't have the I really think the apprenticeship thing yes. of learning and going through the ranks. You learn so much. And a lot of that, in the same way that sometimes disappearing there, it's got the threat of disappearing there too. And so, the, it, the you know, I would always try and do things on a, on a proper level. And there's some, if you get the right budget, it allows you to get the right people in. So there's a lot of really good shoots going on there right now. But I know that, that um, 
Um, and there's a lot of other companies that were doing it to the best of their abilities too. And they would not look out of place here. You could bring that whole crew and put them in LA and nobody would blink an eye. Um, but in terms of teaching the young people to do things properly, that's where I was, I felt I was doing that with all of my guys. I do it with all of our camera guys and all of our setup guys and all of whenever we do, we do a lot of live events, covering stuff, covering huge shows, multi-cameras, walkie-talkies, the whole thing. All of that had to be just bang on. So um, our guys got really, really good at that. And then now they've got a name for doing that. So so they do that without me now. They don't, you know, so it's, I, I really feel that I've done, made an, we made an impact there in terms of not just the type of storytelling, but how it's done. Did any of those kids that, you know, you took on and mentored get any opportunity to either see or, or work on some of the Netflix stuff or some of the commercials and... Oh, some of our guys have gone on to direct their own stuff. That's, oh, wow. That's great. Yeah. And there's other Netflix shows now that, that some of them are on. And then I still get asked. I just got asked just the other day. Um, there's a guy that's going to be filming on a Netflix show that, that I helped on that other, that on, wow. the, on the Bollywood thing. Yeah. And he's like, hey, how would you do this? How did it? I'm, I'm always, always, I'm more than happy to give information and jump on a Zoom and help them out with those things. So, yeah, there's a lot of people that are coming up through the ranks. And there's a great, he's a really good guy, Walter. He's a lighter. And when he started, he was he was lighting, he was trying his best and lighting basic, but he was following the wrong guys. And now with the inter- internet, he's blossomed into being really good, really good. Not for me, just being able to go and push themselves forward. I mean, I, I mean, I would always, ha- I would always hassle, hassle him with his lighting. I'd say, dude, come on, <laughs> right. go, okay. He would know what to do, but sometimes they get lazy you need the and push. Just, ah, yeah. Yeah. you know. So give him a little push, but. Um, you know, we'd always use the same, a lot of the same upcomers, you know, and then, you know, I remember there's another young guy called Eric. He's doing Eric G. Um, he's now doing stuff for Netflix. And um, I had my red camera in a case and it was I, one I always used to take around. And then he got his camera and he did it in a case. He's, he was wrapping it in a towel. I said, dude, you cannot arrive on set with a towel. You can't. I said, look, I've got a space in my other production case for my camera. I'm giving you my case. And I took all my, I took my Reddit and packed it away. And I said, here. And we, we got a new phone. We put it in. He was like, because you can't get those. It's very difficult to get those cases there. Those kind of even Pelican cases, stuff like that. It's so it works. So he still used that. He sends me pictures from set of his camera with my case still, you know? So there's a lot of appreciation for small things that you can do if you, if you can, you know? I think as incredible as your Team 17 stuff is and Hollywood stuff and commercial, I think this comes full circle as what you were talking about. This is much more valuable just for the greater good of, of you know, pushing that area forward. Well, that, I, I appreciate that. And yeah. I really enjoyed our time doing it. It was very difficult at certain points because, you know, in terms of understanding the way that budgets work, it's very different there. Here in the States, advertising budgets are, are comes off your tax dollars, basically, that you can spend a whole bunch and it won't impact you. There, it doesn't. There, they pay for the commercial and they, there's no tax breaks for them. So th- what you would spend, they want it to be Hollywood and they want it to be this thing with the chairs and the video village and all this kind of stuff, but they literally have they have a, a hundredth of the money. You know, so, so we had to adjust our prices and everything, even though we were using all the, the right t- uh, gear and everything. We want to pay people properly too, but it was really, really difficult. And then sometimes you'd have huge clients, really like multi-conglomerate clients. Right. Just not pay. And they would not crazy. pay because they know, well, you can't really get us. Right. It was unbelievable. So gangster out there sometimes. Yeah. And so, you know, we'd, we'd, had, we'd go on for 
I know people, it was like, oh, I've not still not been paid. It's been three years. I'm still fighting and going to court. And, all. and it was it was standard fare. And then also just the corruption. It was just, it was, it's no picnic going to Kenya, even with the best intentions, you know? You know, I remember when um, uh, Microsoft, uh, Facebook, uh, no, Microsoft. So we were working with Microsoft because they were building their Microsoft Studios. And they were coming in and, and really talking and doing the, what do you need? And da-da-da, we're going to build a dev studio, da-da-da-da-da. They weren't really quite understanding and um, about how the limitations of money and stuff like that. Um, and, and I remember that they kind of understood, they kind of felt that they were distanced from the actual realities of, you know, okay, your, 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 your battery's gone in your laptop. You can't plug into power supply. I, I, you can't do that right now. Th- these things are not, you know, some things you can't, it's like le- letting people go home late at night. It's like, oh, thank you very much. Go home now. It's like, they can't go home. It's dangerous to go out at certain right. times. And like, oh, they didn't have an understanding. They weren't in the community like the way we were. Sure. So Microsoft made a lot of, of, of mistakes. And are, now they've, they've fixed all that. They're, they're doing very well now. But at the time, I remember somebody, somebody from Kenya going, we don't need your knowledge of what you know in your world. We just need your money. <laughs> right. Wow. Now, there was two sides to that. There's like, wow, that's ignorant and it's kind of rude. But it's they, their point didn't even really come across. It's like, you don't understand what we need. Yeah. We know what, we, we know what you have. Just give us that let us get on with it so it's kind of that was very frosty in that meeting it's like very you know, blunt very blunt very it is really blunt areas like think, that part of the world are have to be blunt that's that's you well know. it's it's very very like um you don't understand you're trying to come in you're trying to do the right thing but the in the end you know it's about the, it's about the money i remember there's another company this might not be for your for your edit but this is there was no, another company we, called yeah. and, and andela and um and i remember when they they, they came in and um, they said, we're going to create a college and then train these people for them to be moved to Los Angeles, moved to Denmark, moved out. All right. And we're going to train them all up to world-class levels as devs and then move them out. And I remember my wife, she's really smart at figuring things out instantaneously of like where things will go. She's like, that's not going to work. Nope. No. And then we had a meeting with them and they've got millions of dollars. They're getting hundreds of millions of dollars. They built this huge campus, and, and she said, you're doing it all wrong. You, you make this campus, but make this the workplace, and people tell it, you know, they, they come in and keep the brain trust here. Keep it here. Don't, don't build it, and they'll let go, and they're like, no, that's not our thing. That's not our roadmap. We're not going to do that. And she goes, well, you know, literally come up to me when you come back to me. If you want us to help you, you know, do advertising, and, and do, do, we were doing a lot of work with them for presenting what they do. She said, you're, you're, it's totally upside down what you're doing. So if come you're going to invest in the talent from that area, make that exactly. area better. They were Why basically would, yeah. abusing it. They were training them. And then because what they were reckoning is, you know, all diaspora that are living in, 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 in around the world, they send like 90% of their money back home. Of course. Yeah. So they were thinking it would help them because they're going to have more money, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, make, keep the brain trust here. So years later, they literally announced that that's exactly what they're going to do. You know, and and I, I remember, you know, at that point, you've talked to quite a few people of the way they're wanting to do things. And it's like the, the, there's a lot of really good intentions with simply bad ideas that are coming from the West. And so the best way is to be embedded there and really understand and be there a long time. And then that's when people understand if you've been there through the two elections, which was brutal, it was ter- it was really bad. 
And I did not like it then. That was like, uh, we have to leave or hide or something. It was it was really bad. Basically, they um the, they they had organized their um the elections very, very well. Usually they're not. They usually keep everything on paper, just like they keep the housing deeds on paper. And if what would happen with the housing deeds is the building that they were kept in would occasionally go up on fire every five years. And other people say, oh, I have my deed here of that piece of land. And it's like, no, you've just told, stolen the land from me with an identical copy with your name on it. And you've paid someone to set the building on fire. This happened like regular clockwork. Wow. And when they tried to put it to digital and say, we're going to digitize it, all those people just like disappeared. It was like, they were found in a forest. <laughs> Not joking. Jesus so, Christ. Yeah. When the election was happening, they were saying um, this guy called Chris um, something, he was from Nigeria and he was leading, it's an international team. They go around to many countries, hundreds, hundreds of countries they operate in and they call the Electoral Boundaries Commission, uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, and they go around and they conduct, they're, they're experts at conducting um, uh, elections. That's what they do. They get all the things, they figure it out. It's like if you're going to hire like somebody to put on a, you know, a concert, you hire people to do concerts. These people go around. And so they've worked in Kenya, Ghana. They worked all over Africa, India. They've gone to other places, China, everywhere. They go work around the world. And he said, we've installed biometric readers and, 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 and retina scanners. The, 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 we've got a double buffered uh, uh, database. It's offset. Da, 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 da. Everything's going to be done through SMS. There's going to be no paper trail. Well, there's going to be a paper trail backed up by SMS. You know, everything's, and they had it all super organized. And he said, um, there'll be no queues. We've got it organized so that this will happen here and blah, blah, blah. And um, and the, the election did go off the best election ever. No queues, no one standing outside. It was super, super well done. But the night before, when he was on TV saying, thank you very much. We'll see you at the polls tomorrow morning. Uh, good night. Well, thank you very much, Chris. We hope that blah, 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 blah. Oh, let's shake hands. He gets into his car. He's driving home. No. Dead. Wow. And 20 minutes later, his eyeballs and his thumb attempted to gain access to the servers. Wow. Yes. That's and he was insane. found in the forest where everyone is dumped. He was found in the forest. Um, eyeless, thumbless, or both, you know? That's and then, insane. And so, yeah. so the elections went really well, and there was literally no technical problems. But then the opposition said, it's null and void. We don't know what's been happening here, blah, blah, blah. And they nullified the election. But the problem is... In the election rules is because something to do with an old rule, it had to be redone within 30 days or you have to start again. So somebody knew this. And on the second time that the election happened, no, there was a lot of everyone's like, you better vote or we'll, there's a lot of uh, violence threats because the second election wasn't as good as the first. And there was hardly anyone went. So we were asking, guys, isn't it vote? Shouldn't you be going? They're like, fuck, I'm not going out there. Are you crazy? There's people getting shot and, and abused in line and people getting beaten and stuff like that. And so when they nullified the first election and the second election, somehow there was a 97% turnout for the, for the current president. Like, oh, all advertising stopped. All radio stations closed, TV stations closed, banks closed. Everyone was pulling their money out and hiding because they're like, oh, it's, it's turmoil. There was this phrase, it's like whenever you're doing business, they're like, the election's coming up. Let's talk after the election. There's always turmoil in the election. So let's, let's just talk after then. You know, so so in this time, it was bad. And we held on to our staff. We even had them staying at the studio. We had sleeping bags and food and the whole thing because they couldn't get home. All the roads were blocked off. There was tires on fire. They were beating anything. I, I mean, I had to aggressively drive my Land Rover. And I was a white guy and I made it very clear. 
was a white guy driving this, and they're like, they didn't, they didn't touch me. But um, I had to, it was difficult driving, you know, driving through things and over things to get to where you want to go. And we 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 were on the top floor, and um, uh, of, a, of a place, and we were like, we we had we had to get weaponized, we had to get locked in, we had to get as much food as we can, and it was months and months of months of nothing. I remember I, we actually had to go downtown, and it was like it was like pandemic style. It was like the inside of the central business district was just silent. There was no one there. It's like this is weird. We should film this. Twenty eight <laughs> days later, yeah, you got your yeah. Your it was big really shot. really wacky. So we had some really tough times, and the economy really took a nosedive. And so we held on to our large property for a long time, probably about three or four months longer than we should have, until we said, right, we have to downsize. And so we had to downsize to, to smaller, and then we slowly built up from that again. That was was this a while ago, or is there a positive outlook now? Or oh yeah, yeah. So that yeah. was 2016, 2017. But um, um, let's let's put it in perspective. You know when you see esports happening, and you think of these huge prizes with esports. You know, Red Bull they sponsor everything and are a huge presence. <laughs> you won't believe this. They did a small esports tournament and Red Bull were the sponsor. And it was like the Red Bull fridges, Red Bull ball caps, and the, a little mini Cooper with a Red Bull. They got the car. They right? sponsor uh, Age of Empires, believe it or not. The game I still watch. Yeah. Right. So, so, but there, the top prize for winning was four cans of Red Bull. <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. They, because they, it's all post, they're like, they literally, they get given product and they don't have any money. That car came from Dubai. They don't have, there's no money in, in there's no sports money. So we've worked hard to try and get esports. So we started the first esports championship league called AEC, the African Esports Championship. And we partnered with over 25 countries to actually do it. And we had people come in and pledge money and it's in the contract and they won't give it. So it's even difficult to hand out the prize money. They've got all the benefit from. So we were we were even doing we were doing we looked at all the stuff that was happening in Europe. It's amazing, amazing shows, and we didn't want someone to look at the Kenyan one and go, "Oh, that's nice. They they tried." You know, we want to give something that's like, "Well, it's going to be good." So we did a whole virtual studio thing. We did the whole thing. We even you know did it so that we had green screen and the camera live, and these guys were seeing themselves what it looked like inside like an aircraft hangar, but they're inside a room like this with green screen. It blew their little tiny minds, you know, and so. Doing that kind of stuff way back then, it's now popular here. Yeah. But you know, we're you know taking like an un, you know a, an Oculus controller and <laughs> taping it to the camera. It's like, all right, it's working. Let's do this, all right. And so it was, it was, it was amazing looking. So what we were doing, we were filming the event with all the cameras on them, with all the players, with the reaction cameras, audience cameras. We had the host. We had a huge big screen. We had real time graphics. We had start and stop graphics. We had all the light. We couldn't afford lights. So we built lights into the screen, as it were, as a 3D environment. And then we added lights to the side that were DMX controlled. We had a full mixing desk, we had a full audio mixing desk. And we did that. We recorded all of that. And then we made a show from that also as doing a live event. So we had eight cameras all recording. We did the whole thing. So, and then we were really trying to make it look as like a proper Western type event, which we succeeded. But um, in terms of did we basically put a bunch of money in and then even, even the TV companies that aired it, they were just like, yeah, we're, we're, it's, in our, it's in our billing department. 
It was like squeeze. We literally had to go down there and literally go down with bouncers with like baseball bats and threaten to smash people's cars or something like that. Okay, it wasn't that much. We had to go down there and sit there and stand at the office with 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 um our our Archie, our our fixer guy, right? And saying, I'm not leaving. It's like you can't leave. Like like hold, physically holding people back until it's like I'm not leaving without a check. Wow. You know? <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's a different so, world. So, it's a different world out there. Very different world. So, 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 it's great ideas for all of this stuff. But in terms of the the money that they have to do it, it's uh, it's it's it really hampers growth. There's something extremely admirable though about the route you've taken with this because it's such a it's one thing to donate money to something. A lot of people donate money that never sees the light of day to the people they wanted to allegedly donate to. That's another thing to set up a business or, or a charity and go there and live there and be with the people and give them a, another opportunity at this thing, give them a different outlook. Maybe people from the West see Kenya, and maybe um, myself as well, ignorant a little bit about what's going on there. You think, oh, we just want to give them stuff to survive. But the reality is you want to give them stuff so they see hope and, and build something of their own. You want to you want to do business with them. Yeah. That's actually what it is. It's business. So we have a, our nonprofit, which is Good Makers Films. It's a it's a film production company that's just for nonprofit. But what's good studios it's for profit because it's about it's about giving them business and making business. One of the biggest problems that when they're donating computers from the States is that they'll take some old crap from the school here, putting a shipping container, big old heavy shipping, shipping container and ship it over there. And then they, they've got this big old compact 386 or something and no network, no Wi-Fi with a horrible old CRT screen. And we're like, don't do that. Put that money that you would have spent into purchasing local laptops to help the local business. And then they will support it with a laptop that's got battery that will survive the, the power outages and stuff like that. Do business with them. And that's why any of the things that we've done with this, we're doing, we're doing business Kenya and Nairobi is a massive cosmopolitan area. And if you are, um, you know, there's a lot of people that go out there and they get their eyes opened and even just the nightlife is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. There's amazing beauty out there and just uh, the amazing uh, everything. When people go out, they look absolutely world-class. And the nightclubs are absolutely world-class too. You wouldn't believe it. Right. Kenya's, Kenya at one point, um, I think it was two or three years ago, was the third biggest growing economy in the world. Wow. Yeah, it's huge. So in terms of, I mean, if you go down, if you know, here's the thing. They, they, they beat America for mobile money. They were there 10 years ago. No one carries money there. You have it, it's a thing called M-Pesa. It goes with your phone and it works on any WAP browser from any Nokia 8. 810 from the 80s or 90s. And the thing that can run WAP from a a SIM card, um, the basic thing, any any phone can do that. I would think of like South Korea, not not Kenya as a leader in this. I would think of like South Korea, the futuristic hub of the... Kenya did it. Kenya, (laughs) hands down. Insane. So no one carries money and everything is done with M-Pesa. It's like, oh, you go to a stall to buy something, there are M-Pesa numbers there. You type in the M-Pesa. You go to the, 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 the WAP thing, you type in their number, you press send, it comes up with their name. They can see their name. You type in the amount, you press send, their phone goes, bzz, and, then, and they go, oh, I got Insane. it. Your name's Steve. Yep. Right. Okay, got it. Wow. And that's it. And if you lose your phone, your account's fine. Your, your money doesn't go right. anywhere. It's, and I then mean, it's also cryptocurrency to a phone. certain extent, right? It's a little bit of... You get your phone and your SIM card replaced within an hour or so. Sorry, what was that? It's what almost you like cryptocurrency a little bit in the sense that like it's on you. Oh, it's and, very safe. Yeah. Yep. It's very safe. And um, people use it for absolutely everything. And then the funny thing is, is 
because there was no banks in the way, it allowed it to progress and do more of things. Of course, yes. So the profits that go from that, it's actually a phone company that runs it. They take uh, uh, the profits from that and put it into foundation for local things. It's great. But but you try and doing that here, Apple Pay, Google Play, the thing, all Amazon, all, if you've got the little machine, it's got 50 different things running. It's like, oh, we support all of those, but not Apple Pay. And like, okay, out comes the card again, right? So, so no, they're past all of that, but no credit cards. That's crazy. I mean, it makes and sense. Also, if you that, get a loan, the cheapest loan you can get from a bank is 27%. Oh my God. That's that's crazy. It's like a bad credit card. So it's everyone a, does. It's a mobster. It's not. A, it's a literal mobster. <laughs> um, we 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 um, <laughs> gotta have to be careful. Um, we we've done deals with certain. Uh, we did a, a commercial for a for a betting company, and um, that were that that were operating in Kenya but weren't from Kenya, and um. They were interesting characters, let's put it that way. Yeah, I can imagine, as most betting wow. companies are. Yeah, really, really. We actually, I, I did another commercial for another betting company. And um, uh, and then I was like, I'm not doing any more. I can't, of course, I don't want to do yeah. any betting companies. I, I'm from Serbia and originally, and that's, I mean, Eastern Europe is just a landmine of betting companies. When I watch yeah. movies or shows or football games, I literally cannot... Like the only commercials they have is betting companies. It's really yeah. scary. It's real. It's really worrying. It's actually taken a toll in Kenya because people are using their people that are kids are using their fees that go to school. You get given school fees, and they get given money that they have to keep a hold of or or M-Pesa. Um. Oh, by the way, they, they restrict it with the, with the age of the with the person that's associated with the phone. You can't. Excuse me. You can't. You can't do betting through M-Pesa if your phone is of of your account so um um but um people young kids were using um their money that they were given to then literally bet and they'd bet their money away and there's people that are grown-up people that were there was they were, they were thinking that it's a guaranteed success you know we it was really it's really interesting dealing with um dealing with the the culture there it's just so very very different you know our 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 uh, partner out there jerry um, who's he's half Scottish, half uh, Kenyan. There's a lot of that out there, um, and his dad was very, very well known uh, in the government. And he's and he's saying, you come up with a simple message, and you tell someone to do it, they will do it. Buy this thing, and it, so a lot of the commercial. Now it's getting more sophisticated now, but ten years ago it was less sophisticated. And he said, all my best campaigns include the thing, do this now. And 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 then people do it now. People people are wise to it now. But back then, it appealed to them in a certain way that was. And I, I said, I can't believe we're we're just telling people what to do. Download the app now. <laughs> I'm, and then we literally download the app now. We'd be watching and it's like, like what the hell? You know, they would watch it in real time. It was just absolutely nuts. And he goes, right. "Told you." Wow. You know, it's 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 a it's a it's a. It's a. It's funny. We, there's a commercial that's in Kenya, and this guy actually wrote the commercial, and it's the Safaricom commercial. If you say the Safaricom commercial, they've done millions of commercials since, but the original one, everyone's like, "Oh, that defines Kenya." Oh my God, it's such a Kenyan, Kenya, 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 Kenya. It's the best thing, best thing. It was the best commercial we ever did. The music was done by this guy that we know. It's Kenya. It's so Kenya, Kenya. Oh, we love it because it's so uniquely Kenya. Right. And I'm like, 
dude, that's the Qantas commercial from 1977. And Jerry's like, shut up. Don't tell people that. Right. You think it's my idea. I'm like, dude, it's on the internet. Come on. And the Qantas commercial copied it from Coca-Cola. I want to share a world. Of Co- that one's from 1968 or whatever it was. Hiding in the plain sight, as they call it. These same things. Exactly. And so, so I've shown that commercial, the Qantas. And I'm like, but that's the Safaricom commercial that they hold so dear to their heart. Yeah, it's funny. It's 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 really one of the things I did in a lot of the commercials that I did over there, which was again, this is the kind of freedom that I loved having. Um, well, let me back up. The internet is totally there now. Great internet, really good internet, no problem at all. But the um um uh, before then, the internet was very expensive. Like one megabit, one megabit was over uh, three or four hundred dollars when I got there per month. So no one used it, basically. <laughs> yeah. So then people would bring things in from the States on hard drives. And there was a lot of hard drive sharing. And I noticed that there was a the whole bunch of the same. When people would share movies, there was a whole bunch of the same movies. And I think it was the, the 48th Grammy was uh, on there. Right. And, and I noticed that was always in everyone's collections. I'm like, why is that there? And I realized pre-internet, it was on a hard drive. Right. You know? So anyway, I took a lot of iconic parts from movies and put them in commercials and totally didn't say anything. <laughs> like there was the famous, you know, in Star Trek, you know, the, you know, the uh, hello computer. Right. I totally put the whole scene in the commercial. It was so much fun. It was absolutely so You're much fun. You're just living your childhood fantasies over there and making I, I totally the did. I totally did. And I did that time and time again. And it was, it was about, I, I even redid some Monty Python skits and it was great. We were filming three times a week and we had full-time editors going and it was, we were churning out these commercials and it was, it was at a time that, that there was no, it was different rules. We did this thing called a roadblock, whereas all the commercials would come on at the same time. Like nine o'clock was a commercial time. Bonk. Right. All the channels. So we did this roadblock as we made a commercial that was three minutes long that would fill the entire commercial space. And these people had so much money, they bought the entire commercial space. So whatever channel you were on, you're watching the same commercial. You can escape it. And they called it a roadblock. The biggest troll in in commercial space. Yeah. And so so after that, a few years after that, they banned it from happening again. But anyway, the commercials were super popular. And the the company that we worked for went went from having... And they tried. They'd spent a lot of money bringing in South African directors and a whole huge production and having exactly the wrong message. And we analyzed all of that and actually looked at their data and went, they need a local message. And so we did We did great production, funny stuff with the right character. And they went from like 100th like ranked on the internet to number one for two years, number wow. one searched item in Kenya. That's and um, and it went to be a, it became part literally it became part of the of the of the the fabric of of things. Everyone was on it. Everyone was part. And people call us up to be on it. It was a huge. It was so huge. And so that really put us on the map there because we were doing these these commercials and um and we were just so I got I got to do music on those too. I got I, I chose to do the music, but it always be there's always be sound effects. There'd always be visual effects. There's always something to paint out. We literally had a guy in the background trying to jump around being an idiot because he thought he was ruining the shot. I was like, keep rolling. I'll paint him out. Right, Don't worry. Right. Like this. And then the guy, Archie, would go across literally just pick him up and go. Whoa. <laughs> He's no longer a problem. I said he wasn't a problem. It's OK. It's Don't, okay. Don't hurt people. And, but yeah, that, the, so yeah, that, that, whole, that whole sequence from the Hello Computer was, was 
it was so much fun doing that kind of stuff. But then I'd show my guys afterwards. I'd say, all right, I stole that. Look, and I'd play it and they're like, oh. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, like you did something but really yeah, naughty. So, but going back to the movies, yeah, they didn't have, they, so there's a lot of these movies that they don't know about. They know about everything going forward now. Like Netflix is there, Showtime's there, HBO is there, everything's there. In fact, H, um, Netflix is a little bit better because it includes CBS. Oh, okay. So yeah. I would get Star Trek there, but not here. You have to buy the CBS app, but they did a licensing deal because they're not got a presence over there. Um, Chris, I mean, this has been two hours and 15 minutes of, I don't know, to me, it was one of the best oh, conversations I've had. So I, I think I, if, if you ever want to come back, I'd love to have you back. I just want to, yeah. I want a Kenya only episode or something. Cause all right, let's do that. To me, that turned out to be even more interesting than the stuff I was interested in, if that makes sense. <laughs> so how can people maybe help out the cause? How can they invest in Kenya or what do you want to plug that you're working on anything? Oh, um, well, we, we our shows are called What's Good Africa. They're on Revolt TV. Um, they're doing really well. Um, we've got Ghana Edition out there. We're always trying to get more gear out there. That's one of the things. We're working with a company called uh, the uh, Cinema Devices. They make a thing called the Anti-Gravity Cam. We're trying to get one. It's a unique product. We're trying to get one over there and then take one of the people that actually um, operate it here in LA and get them over there. And that costs money. But we haven't really set up anything for that yet. That's just kind of like a, a, a pipe dream for, again, it will give them a business that we can actually yes, they can run that's with. that's the key, right? Yeah. So is there like a need for more exposure for that kind of, like, because probably people, a lot of people know, you know, or they don't know, but they think like, hey, I can throw out my old electronics, like laptops and stuff. And they don't really think about these things in general, but there is a way yeah. to, to get them over there or no? No, do, getting laptops over there is a bad idea. Getting laptops from here over there is a bad idea. Bad idea. Sadly, it, with all best intentions, it isn't. It's better to donate money so that we can give it to the right people that would then that would then do that. Um, we haven't been doing a lot of that because I've been concentrating on dealing with uh, with COVID and me being here and and Tilo going back and forth. So, but it is something that we can. Um, but if we have got, um, I guess we've got email addresses on our Good Makers site or or even our What's Good Studio site. Um, the info ones we could you could if anyone wanted to Perfect. you know have any smart ideas we could put in there i'll leave those but yeah it's about below. it's about empowering them to do business oh, it's not you. about giving them a handout it's not about that it's just like you know when, when haiti happened they were sending grain and rice down there it's like it's the worst thing you can do all you're doing is cutting out the production cycle of all these people that deliver it and harvest it and look after it and put it in you know and, and the whole routine they were they, they devastated the farmers down there by by helping so in the same way it's not about giving equipment it would be about giving equipment if you can get it in there but there's all sorts of problems in getting equipment in there too. Teaching a man how to fish, right? Instead of giving him fish. Teach, yeah, yeah. Teach him, yeah, exactly. And so that's what we've been doing. And then all the equipment that we've that we got over the years that I brought over slowly over the last 10 years, it's all, still all over there. So yeah, I mean, a lot of it is if a camera breaks, say somebody snaps a camera off because they didn't put it on the tripod properly and it snaps off the lens. It's like, well, the lens is broken. Camera mount's broken. We now can't get that camera repaired. Canon have just opened up a, 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 a repair center there, just like like literally a month ago. Wow! So th there's some progress there. Um, do you have a do you have a page that people can follow you for updates on on your projects and stuff, or where are you releasing that kind of information? I guess um, we're not really, and I really need to do a better job of that. I mean, I'm. It's really weird. My my building my synthesizer thing has been really interesting and fun on my COVID I, project. Yeah, I've seen that on the YouTube channel. Yeah. You're doing a lot of these videos. It's really, really, it's amazing that the, the, the amount of people that have reached out to me because I've been busy recently and I get, I get three or four emails a week 
sure. and replies or comments asking like, are you okay? Where have you gone? <laughs> All right. So, so, but so no, I don't, I mean, if they wanted to email me, uh, chris.b at me.com, that's my email address. But there's also, you know, any of the infos at What's Good Studios or um, our goodmakersfilms.org, um, any of those info ones would work. They go straight to my wife. Awesome. I'll try to leave as much information in the description of videos and stuff. But this was, I mean, for me, a, a fantastic conversation. And I'm Good extremely stuff. grateful for your two hours and 20 minutes. So thanks wow. a lot. Time flies. <laughs> yeah. All right. Great stuff. Thanks for, uh, thanks glad for to being do this. Here. It was good fun. All right. Cool. Um, we're good.